There was this kid I grew up with. He was younger than me. Sort of looked up to me, you know. We did our first work together. Worked our way out of the street. Things were good. We made the most of it. You're in prohibition. We ran molasses into Canada. Made a fortune. Your father, too. As much as anyone, I loved her and trusted her. Later on, he had an idea to build a city out of a desert stopover for GIs on the way to the West Coast. That kid's name was Mo Green. And the city he invented was Las Vegas. This was a great man. Man of vision and guts. And there isn't even a plaque or a signpost or a statue of him in that town. Someone put a bullet through his eye. No one knows who gave the order. When I heard it, wasn't angry. I knew Mo, I knew he was headstrong, talking loud, saying stupid things. So when he turned up dead, I let it go. And I said to myself, this is the business we've chosen. I didn't ask who gave the order because it had nothing to do with business. Good evening, everybody. It's the Dave Josh Girl Podcast. An all-new episode with hijinks and fun. And Selena. Yes, it's another Wednesday afternoon, and it's daylight when I'm taping, and I love it. I'm going to get depressed when it gets dark again, because I do, I do. I'm one of those people who get depressed when it gets dark early, but it is sure nice taping in the middle of the afternoon with the sun shining and the beautiful backdrop of a lovely city we live in. And it's a beautiful day today. I mean, it really is a gorgeous day in New York City. One of the top ten, I'd say. It's perfect weather. After a little bit of a heat wave, and I'll tell you, the people that complain about the heat wave are out of their minds. This has been a quite a lovely summer. It hasn't been hot except for two days, and even then it wasn't crazy hot. But people like to complain. I never complain about the weather because... I think people forget that it gets hot in the summer and it gets cold in the winter, and those people stink. It's like people forget, oh my god, it's hot. Yes, it gets hot in the summer. Oh my god, it is so cold. Yes, it gets cold in the winter. That's what happens. And it's been happening for many, many years. You know, like since the 1700s. I feel like my microphone's high. I can't tell. I hope it's not... I hope it's not annoying everybody. I've been trying to work with all the the gadgets today and everything I got here and don't seem to be able to work it out. I don't know. I feel like something's off, but I can't put my finger on what it is. Hopefully it won't annoy everybody. And um, in case you were wondering... That's right. I'm alone again. Naturally. Well, I wasn't supposed to be again. It's my fault, I guess. You know, I always want to do the podcast. I try to do it every Wednesday. But things come up. I got people to see, places to go. I'm a very important man. And I had a friend come into town, and she comes into town every once in a blue moon from Orlando, Florida. So I like to uh, put everything aside, as if when Sarah Silverman comes to town, I put things aside, as um, I do from uh, the movie My Favorite Year. When uh, Peter O'Toole, or whatever character name, Alan Swan comes to town, I put everything aside, and I um, make sure Alan Swan's happy. Now, who would get that reference? Only me and one other person. But, so I thought, 
she she works for a perfume company and she comes here for business and uh, she used to be a a waitress at Catch Rising Star and we've kept in touch all these low these many years and um, she's quite the delight so uh, I thought maybe she'd come on the show you know and uh, hang out but she has to like her boss came in town she has to work to so that's what I thought was going to be my guest today you know I just need a person you know. But I wanted, before I knew she was coming, I was going to ask uh, a couple other people. I asked Rachel again. She's busy today because I wanted another guest. We did the show alone last week. And, I, you know, I don't mind doing it, but I, I don't know. I feel like having a guest. I feel like having a guest. I don't know. Just felt like having a guest today. But, you know, I don't mind doing it alone. Certainly got a lot to do. In fact, when I was thinking about the show, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. It's going to be a great show. Can I follow up last week's brilliance? I don't know. I think I can. I got a lot of clips. You know, it's funny. The like on Tuesday before, I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing this week. And then as the, the day goes on, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about this. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So today on the way home, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm getting really fat. It's, um, I stopped working out. I stopped going to spin soul cycle, spin class. <laughs> um, but I keep going to musical theater. <laughs> but I stopped doing all those things because I don't know. It just happened. I was working out pretty good for two years, going to the spin class. I don't know what happened. I just stopped. I don't know whether I'm depressed or whatever it is, but I just stopped. And I uh, just, I'm gaining weight. And I only weigh myself at my sister's house and my mother's house. They have scales. I won't buy a scale because I like to be surprised, you know, when I get to the house. So I saw it was like 196. That's bad for me. I was at 189 for a while, which is pretty good. I'd like to get down to like 185. Well, 180 would be probably best, I guess, for me. I never listened to that body mass index. I think that body mass index was made in the 1700s. Because somebody, I'm 5'10", and if you're telling me I'm supposed to be 170 pounds, that ain't right. No man should be 170 pounds. That's ridiculous. A man is supposed to be, you know, heavy. The body mass index is ridiculous. So I don't listen to that nonsense. I'm saying weight that I'd feel comfortable at, maybe 183. How about that? But now I'm like, you know, 13 pounds overweight, technically. I mean, I've never been to one. I haven't been to 185 in like 20 years. But I know why it is. I mean, you know, I know the stuff I eat. I talk about the show. You know, I got wing night. I got rib night. You know, <laughs> and, you know, who knows what else. I mean, I thought I, I think I told you what I ate at the track last week. I mean, it was uh, a cheeseburger, a hot dog. Then we went to an all-you-can-eat ribs place. Did I tell you this? And not only did I have all-you-can-eat ribs, where I ordered another thing of ribs, we also had some brisket, macaroni and cheese, a pina colada, and dessert. And then I had diarrhea. Duh. I like when I come home and I sit on the toilet bowl, you know, and I, I got a stomachache. I, oh, my God, I'll never make it. I'll never make it. And then I'm like, wow, how did this happen? How did this happen? I sit on the toilet for two seconds. I'm like, oh, right. Every time I come back from the devil's game, I'm like, how did this happen? Oh, right. It's probably the chicken wings or the chicken parm sliders or the sushi and the, and the Jack Daniels and probably, probably, and then the ice cream. Like, yeah, probably the combination. Duh. So, of course, I'm overweight. But on Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier. Mondays I have a salad and some sushi. Like six or sometimes twelve pieces of sushi. I, don't know, I guess I think that's great, but at least I have a salad. Mondays I have a salad. Tuesdays I have fish tacos. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's got to be better than what I eat the rest of the week. And so then today, oh today, so today, <laughs> I uh, well let me just I went to this place and I thought I ate. Okay, and then, um, so I'm like, oh, I put some of it away. We didn't finish it all. Good for me. I had a little bit of salad with it. And then, of course, I came home. I usually get an ice cream cone after. Because on Wednesdays, I usually have this Korean barbecue for lunch. And I like to fill up because I know I'm doing the podcast and I know I'm going to eat late. Now, I don't know what kind of thinking that is, but that's the way I work. It, and I, I, I want to say, oh, it, it works for me. It doesn't work for me at all. It's a disaster. I need to somehow make a healthier diet for myself. I, I don't know how to diet. I don't know. I've never had to diet. I was always a skinny kid. And now I'm, you know, overweight and paunchy. <laughs> I think that's the word. And I don't, I don't know how to diet. I don't know. 
and you know depressed and I live alone and a lot on the weekends I'm like no I I, I gotta eat a lot because what else am I doing so when I'm busy I don't eat so much I guess anyway today I usually have an ice cream cone or something because I need to get rid of uh, you know the Korean barbecue it's horrible and uh, I mean it's not horrible it's good but you know it's like uh, just you need the dessert the sugar I, you have the combination of sugar and salt sometimes it's okay but um I didn't want to get ice cream today, so, of course, I stopped at the stupid Dunkin' Donuts and I got a, one of those mocha coladas I've been getting, which has got to be the worst thing for you. It, it's got to be so many calories that even if I tried to not intake a lot of calories, I've just ruined everything. But, boy, is it good. I'm drinking it right now. I, I, I like to have it before the show. It's exciting. I didn't... Oh, no, I did have coffee today. I usually don't have to, but I don't count this as coffee. This is like a milkshake. Oh, my God, I'm disgusting. Well, don't worry. After this, I'll go out for dinner. <laughs> anyway, today, for the first time, I can't even believe it. I mean, this is... Listen... Well, this this is part of it. I distinctly heard it. He muttered under his breath, Jew. No, I'm not. We were walking off the tennis court, and, you know, he was there, and me and his wife, and he looked at her, and then they both looked at me, and under his breath, he said, Jew. Oliver, <laughs> you're a total paranoid. Well, how am I a paranoid? I pick up on those kind of things. You know, I was having lunch with some guys from NBC, so I... Uh, first of all, that's not me doing Tony Roberts. That's actually Tony Roberts. That's a scene from the movie. <laughs> I could do that entire scene by myself. Yep. Specifically, and he, he looks at her, and he does her, and he, I specifically heard them mutter the words, Jew. Well, Alvy, you're a total paranoid. <laughs> but anyway, the point was uh, this little part right here. Things. You know, I was having lunch with some guys from NBC. I was having lunch with some guys from NBC today. But it's even better than that. It's not about the, that I was having lunch with some guys from NBC, but I can actually say, I can, I said in the podcast, I'm like, I can't even believe I can come on the show and say I've been having so much lunch with, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, the point of the story being this. And I went to the NBC commissary today. Uh-oh which I normally do not do. And I said to the chef, what's today's special? And he said, carp. And I said, but that was yesterday's special and the day before. And he said, it'll be the special till somebody eats it. Johnny Carson, how many times did he talk about the NBC commissary? I went to the NBC commissary today. I've never been there my entire life. I can't even believe it. I went to the NBC commissary. How many jokes were made by Johnny Carson for so many years? I mean... How many times on even the Today Show they say, well, I saw him at the, you know, or Letterman would talk about the NBC commissary all the time. I mean, I can't even believe it. I was at the stupid NBC commissary today and I couldn't have been more happy. And then I was thinking about Woody Allen, like, yeah, I was having some lunch with some guys from NBC today. Well, it's one guy, but I'm just going to say guys because, you know, there were other guys there. A lot of hot girls, too. If I don't mind you trying. In fact, my friend told me he was Alec Baldwin would come in when he was doing his show over at um, wherever he was doing it, M MSNBC, for a while, and he would always have meetings at the NBC commissary because it's beautiful up there. It's really nice. It's sunny. You know, there's lots of windows, and the chicks are hot, and that's why he wanted to eat there. There's lots of girls to look at. And we know how Alec Baldwin is. He's a real man. He's, he's a real man. Not any of that Cosby shit. He doesn't need any of the roofies. He does what he wants to do like a man. And he's way cool. So, yeah, I was at the NBC commissary today, and it was very exciting. And uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, my whole life I'd been waiting to go there. I used to, when I was in was it high school, I guess when I was like 17, I think I used to come into the city. I used to drive my car to the Atterbridge Crossing in Staten Island. And then take that stupid train. If you ever know anything about Staten Island, those of you from Jersey would know in Staten Island, of course. There's one train that covers all of Staten Island that goes from the Atterbridge Crossing to the Staten Island Ferry, and it is a bag of shit. It takes like 45 minutes. It's a nightmare, and it stops at every stop, and there's no express. It's a, it's a disaster. Staten Island just stinks. They just don't get it. No, I take that train... Because I wanted to pretend I lived in New York City, and New York City was, like, close. So, we, you know, I lived right on the other side of the Adbridge Crossing. So I drive my car right over the Adbridge Crossing, park it in Staten Island, start in the train, take it to the ferry, then take the one of the trains. What train would I take? I guess the one, I guess the one train all the way, and then transfer and go to Rockefeller Center. All underground. I could make it from the Adbridge Crossing 
without getting in any out like I could do it all in the rain without ever getting wet from the Atterbridge Crossing all the way to Rockefeller Center all without ever getting wet and I used to do it just to hang around 30 Rock just to hang around I don't know why I just loved it there and I always wanted you know it was NBC it was Saturday Night Live it was David Letterman I just wanted to hang around I used to go to Letterman a lot in the old days there's definitely footage of me if I purchase if they have season one on tape there's definitely footage of me and sitting in the audience when Andy Kaufman came out and started hugging everybody and um, me and my friend were there and there's definitely footage somewhere I've been looking for it online I can't find it because it's going to be you know a young David Jusko a young impressionable curly haired mop top David Jusko sitting around watching his hero until he found out on one Thanksgiving afternoon in the 90s that David Letterman was a douchebag. And I'd been waiting to get on that show for a long time because I was going to let him have it. I was like, oh, Dave, I've been on your show many times. I've been around. And you are an ass. I mean, this guy, on Thanksgiving, he, uh, you know, he made everybody work and then he had a plate of food brought up to him. Wouldn't even come by and say, hey, thanks for everybody working on Thanksgiving. I really appreciate it. I mean, what was I doing there on Thanksgiving? I don't know. I hated having Thanksgiving with my family, so... My mother and I made a... You know, we made a pact 30 years ago to never have Thanksgiving together again. And then she broke that pact last year, and my sister and I were furious. (laughs) Just because she had nowhere to go. Well, that's my problem. We made a deal. I'm telling you, this is delicious. (laughs) Coffee colada. What the hell was I talking about? Talking about so much not... Can you hear Celine? She's crazy. Oh, my God. She's in one of those... Give me this. All right. It's my notes. What I do over the weekend? Well, I don't know whether I told you I went to see another Broadway play. Well, lucky me. It's my niece's birthday, and uh, every year I take her to see um, a show of her choice, which is usually something stupid. Something with Daniel Radcliffe from Harry Potter or uh, what's the other thing? Oh, Peter Pan. So this year we went to see Finding Neverland. Well, what a bag of shit this show is. Finding Neverland. Are you kidding? All I do is sit there the whole time. I'm like, why do I need to see a stupid show about a douchebag who came up with the idea for Peter Pan? I don't care. And there's a show about, and John Ritter plays it. There's a show about the guy who came up with The Wizard of Oz, Frank L. Baum. I remember John, John Ritter did a television. Who cares? Then there's a show about, wait, what, what, what was the third one? What's the third one? Uh, oh, the, the stupid, horrible movie about the woman who comes up with Mary Poppins. Who gives a shit? Why are these movies even made? No one cares. That movie, Saving Mr. Banks, about the woman that comes up with the, you know Mary Poppins, is the stupidest movie ever. It, it makes no sense. It never needs to be told. It's a horrible film because she, she didn't have that bad a life. I, I think I've talked about it on the show before. She didn't have that bad a life. You're like, oh, what a tough life she had and she made up this character. It's not that tough. Her dad was an alcoholic. That's tough. But he loved her. And he like really loved her. He was just, you know, he didn't hit her or anything. He was a great guy. <laughs> he just had a drinking problem. I mean... It didn't seem that bad. They lived on a nice little farm area. She didn't live in like the ghetto or anything, you know. I I, I don't understand. Sometimes I, I'm I'm like, where where where's the action? I where where am I supposed to feel sorry for her? She's an idiot, and she's treating Walt Disney bad, and I don't like that. Of course, I do like that because he was you know a Nazi sympathizer. So, but it was Tom Hanks playing, and everybody likes Tom Hanks, and he was funny. He was great. He's always good. When's that guy bad? That was so funny when he's, he's out and he's playing Walt Disney and he's just giving out, <clears throat> you know, they're asking for autographs. So he's just giving out cards with his signature on it. He's like, yeah, this is more productive. <laughs> it's really smart. That's a stupid movie. All, the whole time. And all they do is bash Dick Van Dyke, which really irks me. When it turns out, that, I mean, what a horrible performance, you know. Even though it's great when you're a kid, now you realize, oh, boy. I'll tell you something. Every time I go to London, remember I was saying, I go to London, you know, I was like, so what do you think of the revolution? You know, one of the other things I like to do when I go there, when I go there, you know, the one time I've been there. But when I meet British people, I'm like, oh, what do you think of Dick Van Dyke's performance? And they're like, well, you don't get me started. Because, oh, Mary Poppins, maybe we'll pop into a chalk painting, we will. 
you know, I this is not a theory. This is a fact. I think it's just I don't know how it exactly happened. You you want to hear the story? Clearly, somebody got to Dick Van Dyke when he made Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, being the only American in the movie. His kids talk British. His girlfriend talks British. His dad is British. The toy maker's British. Everybody's British, except for Dick Van Dyke, because clearly somebody said, look, if you're going to do this movie, none of that fucking Cockney shit. You understand? You leave that to Michael Caine. I don't want to hear any of your nonsense. You're going to talk like this. Your kids are going to be like this. Daddy, do you think Judy will come and drive Chitty with us? And then he's like, yeah, I guess that's all right. You know, in the last movie, he's like, well, I guess we could do that if we... I'm doing Cary Grant right now, but something happened, but um, (laughs) that's the story. And he's the only American guy in there. I mean, it's so stupid. I mean, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang does not hold up. It's boring, except for that child catcher, which is great, because now, now that my good friend Sarah Silverman, are you name dropping if your best pal is Sarah Silverman? I mean, anyway, she's dating this guy, Michael Sheen, who I like a lot. I've mentioned on the show and he is in Twilight which I've seen every movie because obviously I'm a homosexual I don't know I like those I like the first one a lot the other ones I didn't really care for but I like the fourth one because thank you very much I find Kristen Stewart very attractive and in that movie she's just like in shorts the whole time and she's just like come on I want to fuck so I find it hot but really nothing happens I remember Caitlin who's been on the show before and she's young and she's like that movie sucked nothing happens I'm like yeah but I'm She's kind of hot in it, so I don't mind watching. I could watch the whole thing, you know. And Anyway, he plays the villainous, the ultimate villainous vampire in that. And he said he based it on the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Well, I like hearing that kind of stuff. Because that's, you guys listening to this podcast, you get it. You know how great that is. He based it on the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's fantastic. He's like us. You'd love if I did that. Well, kitties. I mean, that guy was terrifying. He was terrifying in that. He was more terrifying than Margaret Hamilton in The Wizard of Oz, who was truly... People are like, oh, every you know, when you're a little kid, you're scared of the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Well, you know why? I was scared of Margaret Hamilton before she became the Wicked Witch. Like, when she was just on the farm in Kansas, she's like, that little dog chewed up my flowers in my garden. I mean, she was scary. Just her face was terrifying that was scarier than when she was dressed in green you know with the bike that's what people that's what a couple gay guys do to me when i'm riding the city bike they go through chelsea and they're like and i'm like what the what the that's that's what i look like on the bike i look like margaret hamilton which i probably do i'm you know what i'm gonna love i am more attractive than margaret hamilton and this is why I was afraid to drink coffee for a long time because Margaret Hamilton used to do Maxwell House commercials and that used to scare the hell out of me. And I can't figure out who's, what executive's idea it was for her to sponsor Maxwell House coffee. You know what we should get for this? The Wicked Witch of the West. Why? I don't know. Maybe because um, kids stay up late because they're thinking of her so we might as well just really keep them up with some coffee because they're afraid of the witch so let's get the witch to sell the coffee. Yes! I should have been a madman. That would have been my line of thinking. Anyway, so, uh, (laughs) boy, that's a a roundabout way but uh, this finding Neverland's a bag of shit and I'll tell you why. First of all, first of all, first of all, Friday night, I pick up my niece. We go to, first of all, we go to, I take her to a comedy club. Just for a second, we walk in, we say hello to my good friend Tiffany, who I hadn't seen in a long time. It was so great. And then um, we just go downstairs and we see, um, you know, some comedy. And I'm like, well, uh, I don't mind telling you, your Uncle David's he's a little better than this. Uh, <laughs> it was at this, you know, place that sucks. Uh, but it was funny, really funny take a 17 year old kid there and she's like boy this is horrible uncle david i'm like yeah no I, i'm not saying i play here i mean i i'd like to but uh no then and then we went to this place called quality italian on 57th and 6th and i'd never been there before but they have chicken parm pizza we're always looking to find the best chicken parmesan in the city that's all she eats and that's all she doesn't eat anything you know if you get it she gets a, a hamburger she gets nothing on it and a glass of water that's her whole thing 
but she does like chicken parm. So we're always, this is our third year in a row we've been looking for the best chicken parm in the city. When I looked it up, I went, the first year we went to this place called Arturo's, which is in the village. I've been going there for years when I was, you know, younger. Me and Atel would go there, um, you know, because it was open till three and it was right by the comedy cellar, so we could go there late. And there was live jazz there, and it was kind of fun. You can get a full pizza there. I didn't even know they had chicken parm, but then I was looking it up online. They said they have like the best chicken parm in the city. So we went down there. We were able to go late, and it was kind of fun. And it was okay. It was okay. Um, last year, we went to a place called El Vagabundo. I can only say it like the font, El Vagabundo, <laughs> which is on like 61st and 1st. It's like, it's like right around my neighborhood. And they have a bocce ball court there. It's like really old and you can play bocce ball and stuff and it's kind of fun. And the food there, and sometimes I go there after the podcast, um, you know, I take Alan Klein there and his husband. <laughs> and we go after the podcast. We have a really good time. The wait staff is idiotic, but the food, I mean, they're nice, but they're just stupid, you know. But the food there is um, really good. And late, I've been having the veal parmesan, but I feel guilty about it because I don't like eating veal because, you know, baby lamb, but you know, once in a while. But I like the thinner chop, you know. Anyway, their chicken parmesan was very good. And we both liked it. And it was very big. And we liked it. But this year, they have a chicken parm pizza. And Kenny told me about it. And so we're walking up. And, and Kenny's wife, uh, Jody, texts me. And she goes, oh, don't forget to put the honey on the chicken parm. And I'm like, you idiot. You just texted the wrong person. She just said, don't forget to put the honey on. She didn't say the chicken parm. So I really thought she was talking about somebody else. And then she just writes, trust your fat friend. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess it's to me. But I said, yeah, you must have written this to somebody else. I'm like, why, why would I put honey on chicken parm, whatever? But there it was. They put out like a, a, a spicy chili honey sauce and a bunch of spices. And then the chicken parm pizza, which comes out like a, like a pizza, like you'd get in a pizza, a pizza parlor. And it comes on the stand and it's really big and it looks like a pizza. And it's really funny because then when you get it and you take a slice out, um, you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I wish I got something else because I don't feel like pizza. And then I forget. And then I'm taking it and then I'm eating it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's right. It's chicken parm. It's delicious. So then I tried some of the honey on it and it was um, great. <laughs> I was like, what? And then, you know, my niece who doesn't try anything like that I was like, try this. And she did. And she loved it. Honey? On chicken parm? What? I still feel like I'm too loud. I hope it's okay for everybody. I guess you'll let me know. So then, I mean, you know, to Gandolfini it up. I'm like, oh, let's get some cookies. We can go to Insomnia and cookies, and they're open till three. And then we got like a whole bunch of cookies, and then I had a bottle of chocolate milk. Oh, it was a mess. And then I went to bed. Then we woke up, went to the diner, where I think I, I don't know what I ate then. I think eggs of some, a Western omelet. I mean, that was a mess. Then we went to see the show. Now, that's uh, usually a recipe for disaster, but I was ready for it. And it was okay. Afterwards, we went later that night we went to Friday's and I ate again I'm just trying to kill myself it's very clear but um, anyway we go to Finding Neverland and the president's in town I don't know if you heard of this guy Obama so we can't even get into the theater because <laughs> he's seeing Hamilton now I read about it in the paper the day before you know that day so I'm like oh my god that's I hope it's not on the same block but it was so they were closing off the block, and I'm like, well, we got, we just paid $300 for these tickets. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, no, so no problem. So anyway, the show, I, I think it stinks. And I don't give a shit about the guy who wrote Peter Pan. And I don't know if you know this story about me. And maybe I've told you, you know, I'm that guy. I say, good luck with that. And I did it with the Blue Man Group, which I've definitely told you guys because I knew them very early on. And I'm like, you guys are stupid. This is going nowhere fast. Dressing in blue is dumb. I did it to, um, to Ray Romano. 
I told him talking about his family is a huge mistake. These are all true stories. I told Chelsea Handler she's never going to make it in comedy. If she was on this show, she would say, you did say that, and that drove me to make it in comedy. I told Jim Gaffigan he's a horrible actor. I've told all the people that have been successful that they suck. So lo and behold, (laughs) I have an old manager And he said, yeah, my wife bought the rights to the guy that wrote Peter Pan, this guy J.M. Barry, and we're going to make a movie. We're just looking for A-list directors. Maybe Johnny Depp will be in it. And I'm like, you guys are fucking retarded. First of all, you're never going to get Johnny Depp. Good luck with your A-list directors, faggot. I mean, I was really angry. And that is a stupid idea. Now, when that movie, Finding Neverland, was up for an Oscar, you know, and for Johnny Depp, I felt silly... But yet, God, I'm wrong about everything. So obviously, you know, I hate this show because I'm still angry that I was like, how could this have happened? Why, why is this? Why do I suck so much? And I hate these people that were able to pull this off. This guy was a genuine idiot. And he's just like, yeah, Finding Neverland. It's going to be big. Yeah, right, right. Oh, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be really big. Yeah, guy wrote Peter Pan. Good luck with that. So I hate this show to begin with. The one thing that you got to like about if you if you don't like Broadway, then all you have is the opening number to make you say, "Okay, this looks like it could be fun. If you don't like Broadway, if you like Broadway still, so the opening number sucks. Here it is. I'm already bored. <coughs> There's a moment you <coughs> all your life for. I think even Scotty would say this is lame. And that's Matthew Morrison, and he's very and good, but he's giving nothing. Oh my god, I'm so bored. Oh, it's picking up. Oh, I mean, the people that write this, they're like, no, it's picking up. No, no. This is not how you open a show. This is lame. I mean, at this point, I'm still like, no, 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 it's going to, it's going to go somewhere. It doesn't. This isn't how you open the show, let alone bring it on the star right at the beginning. Nah, you got to wait a little bit. Have him come out to big applause. The audience didn't know what to do. He comes out right at the beginning. I mean, are you sitting there going, oh my God, I got to see this play. 300 bucks. This is why people hate Broadway. I mean, let me ask you a question. Are you sitting there going like, oh my God, I got to see this play. This is going to be unbelievable. No, why would you be? Why would you be? Who cares? Meanwhile, my niece thought it was the greatest thing she's ever seen. I don't know. For me, the opening is everything. And to prove it, I will show you the the guys, you know, I, I compare everything now to the Book of Mormon, which is truly the greatest show I've ever seen in a way in the sense of, here are two guys that completely get it. They get that Broadway is kind of a joke, and they get that it's also kind of fun. So The Book of Mormon is the perfect show for your old pal Dave Juskow, who loves theater, loves comedy, and loves making fun of theater. So, okay, that one speaks to me. But in the obvious thing of just like trying to, you know, draw in a crowd that doesn't care for Broadway, and they're trying to make money... This is how they open their show, and it's perfect because it's light enough to where, you know, you want the show to build, but it's hilarious, and it all the... Did you even know? Would If I didn't tell you that was from Finding Neverland, would you even know what that is? If the world turned upside down, who gives a shit? I don't even know what's coming. This is the perfect... One of the, you know, not the perfect, so I'll show you the perfect mistake, but I mean, this this says it all. It keeps it light, 
and it keeps it slow, but it, it explains everything, and you can see that the show is going to be amazing. Hello. My name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Hello. My name is Elder Grant. It's a book about America a long, long time ago. It has... So many awesome parts, you simply won't believe how much this book can change your life. Hello, my name is Elder Green. I would like to share with you this book of Jesus Christ. Hello, Ooh, it's building. My name is Elder Young. Hello, did you know that Jesus lived here in the USA? You can read all about it now. Hello, in this nifty book, it's free. No, you don't have to pay. Hello, hello. My name is Elder Smith, and can I leave this book with you for you to just peruse? Hello! 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 I'll just leave it here. It has a lot of information you can really use. Hello! Hi! My name is Jesus Christ. You have a lovely That's Josh Gad. Um, I mean, listen to that, right? I mean, it's a uh, that's hilarious. It explains everything in two seconds. What you're about to see, you know, it's Mormon. You know what they're doing. It's a, you know, you you just know where it's going. It's great. It's great. I let it play. Let me just skip right to the end, and then you see, you know, like how it just uh, kind of really leads up to a great opening number. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that could have been the ending song. It's not fantastic. That's the opening number. Now, if you haven't seen it, now, now, wouldn't you say, anybody that listens to this podcast that gets me, that gets all the stupid references, wouldn't you say, oh my God, I've got to see that show. It's great. It's really funny. And the songs, one song is ne better than the next. It just keeps topping itself. And then when you leave the theater, you sing some of the songs. I, I can't remember one song I remember in Finding Neverland. Good bucks. When I leave that show, I'm like, okay, that was worth $300. It's the only show I've seen in recent years that was completely worth it. Now, you know, it's just so funny when it's not football season. I'm just talking about show tunes, show tunes. I mean, what's the matter with me? But, you know, I mean, it's I'm, I'm fascinated by that. People don't get it. I mean, I think Finding Neverland's making money, but why? Who wants to see that crap when there's really, you know, nobody writes any good shows. This is this is really good. And the, the, look, I'm talking about the opening. When I was a kid, this is the one that really, like, set off. I'm, I remember, I mean, I use it in my stand-up act, and I talk about my parents took me to see this. This is the opening to a chorus line. Again, step, kick, kick, kick. Anything that starts over the five, six, seven, eight. I'm in. I'm just saying. I mean, in 1975, when that came out, everything else sucked. Like, nothing was that, like, powerful. So... 
My, I use this as my stand-up because, you know, I usually come out and I say, I don't understand why I'm not married. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I can't figure out where it came from. Like, my parents came back. They saw a chorus line and they told me, like, David, oh, my God, you got to come to this show. It's unbelievable. There's a guy in it that reminds us of you. And then I go to the show and it's this. And I'm like, which is the guy that reminds me of you? That guy, the guy doing the turns. He's like the gayest guy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, why does he... He's like, oh, the way he's dancing around and singing. And I'm like, hey, I guess, um, you know. But I remember I was sitting with my sister because my we couldn't get four seats together. My parents were, like, adamant about bringing me to see this show because it was groundbreaking. It was an amazing show because it was different than anything else. It had curses in it. It was like the, the blazing saddles of the comedy movies, you know. And, it, you know, it dealt with adult topics and stuff like that. And not, nothing ever did really that, you know. Maybe West Side Story tops, but... That was 15 years before. So um, this was, uh, remember the, the opening number? It's hot, you know? It's like five, six, seven, and then it, you know, it's action-packed. And I go to my sister after it's all over, and I'm like, now that's how you open a show. And I said that in 1977 when I went to see it. That's how you open a show. Now, Beth, this is how you open a show. And she's like, shh. People are trying to watch the show. And I'm like, no. <laughs> You people listen to me. <laughs> and uh, here's the best part. It's like, uh, let me see if I can get to it. The 70s uh, music of it. All right. Let me see the boys. The whole group. Ready. <laughs> A five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Wow, wow. Wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. That wasn't like every 70s series. That like slap guitar. Okay. Girls. A five, six. <laughs> the guy just keeps doing it. It's brilliant. Anyway, the best part about it is, is that um the guy that wrote it, and you can hear a little bit of it. <laughs> Check this out, right? Not that part. Oh, and, and, and let me tell you too, if you're listening to this show, like without headphones and you're near your office and you're like are, are you listening to a chorus line what are you listening to uh nothing nothing it's a, it's a football show it's a football show uh wait listen to this this part's a little gay but no wait wait listen to this part I'm, i have a point listen now i'm only pointing it out because the same guy that wrote this uh, where's my thing here it is the same guy that wrote this wrote this see if you can pick up what it is two years later so it's way cool wow 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 That's right. Well, you know it. It's James Bond. Yeah. I think they get to the original theme soon. Yeah, he uh, redid, it's called Bond 77. What's up? And it's for this one, which he also wrote. One of the best Bond themes ever. Um, so yeah, Marvin Hamlish did a chorus line, and then he did, he redid the Bond theme for the 70s, which wasn't that great, but he redid the Bond theme. It's cool, it's exciting. I love me, it's like one of my favorite movies. But, you know, and um, 
you know, why, why wouldn't he? He was asked to redo the Bond thing, just like uh, these people were asked to redo this. <laughs> Remember this from last week? <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know who did that, but um, what's cooler? Um, asking to, like, if you, let's just say it's like the guy from the Book of Mormon that did something cool. Then he was asked to do something stupid, like, can you redo Annie? At least this guy's doing something gay, which is the chorus line, but then he does something like, can you redo Bond? Awesome! That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, this is the way I think. I'm out of my mind. You know, I mean, I don't even know what I've been talking about. I haven't talked about anything, and we're like 45 minutes in already. <laughs> so what we need to talk about right now is, unfortunately, um, oh, I'm all off today. I have so many clips. I have to just go through them, but where is it? Here it is. Hey, Mike. Hello, fellas. Everybody's here. Freddie, Tom, good to see you, Mike. How are you, Mom? All right. You got everything you want? The chef cooked for you special. The dancers will kick your tongue out, and your credit is good. Draw chips for everybody in the room so they can play in the house. Yeah. My credit good enough to buy you out? <laughs> buy me out. Casino. A hotel. Corleone family wants to buy you out. Corleone family wants to buy me out. No, I buy you out. You don't buy me out. Your casino loses money. Maybe we can do better. You think I'm skimming off the top, Mike? You're unlucky. <laughs> you goddamn guineas really make me laugh. I do you a favor and take Freddy in when you're having a bad time, and then you try to push me out. Wait a minute. You took Freddie in because the Corleone family bankrolled your casino because the Molinari family on the coast guaranteed his safety. Now, we're talking business. Let's talk business. Yeah, let's talk business, Mike. First of all, you're all done. The Corleone family don't even have that kind of muscle anymore. The Godfather is sick, right? You're getting chased out of New York by Bazzini and the other families. What do you think is going on here? You think you can come to my hotel and take over? I talked to Bazzini. I can make a deal with him and still keep my hotel. Is that why you slapped my brother around in public? Oh, no, that, that, that was nothing, Mike. Now, now, uh, Mo didn't mean nothing by that. Sure, he flies off the hand once in a while, but, but Mo and me were good friends, right, Mo, huh? I got a business to run. I got to kick asses sometimes to make it run right. We had a little argument, Freddy and I, so I had to straighten him out. You straightened my brother out. He was banging cocktail waitresses two at a time. Players couldn't get a drink at the table. What's wrong with you? I leave for New York tomorrow. Think about a price. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Wait a minute, Mo. Mo, I got an idea. Well, I let that play out because, you know, it's awesome. But um, would you say that the best part of this show is that we just played a whole bunch of show tunes and now we just played the Manly Godfather? <laughs> This is a strange show, and I told you, if you're listening without headphones, people are going to be like, what What the hell show is this? Here's the Dave Jones podcast. Yeah, unfortunately, Mo Green died. Alex Rocco, and he was, well, he was amazing in that role, right? And someone put a bullet through his eye. <laughs> I didn't ask who <laughs> gave the order, <laughs> but... <laughs> I, but, um... It's funny because before I saw The Godfather, I only knew him from uh, The Facts of Life. And it's funny, I have like a bunch of clips where he just enters a room being kind of like, it's clearly anybody that hired him just have him come in like, hey, boys, how are you? You know, he's like the original Rodney Dangerfield. Like, hey, draw chips for everybody on the table they can play. Oh, the girls are knock your socks off. This is him doing that in The Facts of Life really quick. No, you here. <laughs> Evelyn, I haven't been your brother-in-law in five years. Why waste your poison on a stranger? No offense. I was just wondering if I should make more pastries in case the police surround the place. <laughs> Can we give it a rest? Okay, that wasn't it, but uh, that was him on the Facts of Life. Here's, here's where he enters the room. Come on in. Balducci! Yeah. Hey, uh, Charlie! Hey, how are you? Hey, Charlie! Charlie! 
Hey, how are you? How are you? And here's him entering the room in that movie, That Thing You Do. Anyway, that's him and that thing you do. I know all the stuff he's been in because you know, I followed him because he was amazing. Now, the best. Now, here's the thing that nobody knows, except your old pal Dave Juskow. Um, many years ago, when John Cryer was important, um, after Pretty in Pink, he uh, was given a show and it was called The Life and Times of Teddy Z. And it was supposed to be, you know, the end all of television shows. That this was supposed to be, you know, really big for John Cryer, and it was supposed to be interesting, and it was going to be that new show that was going to be unbelievable, and everybody was going to be talking about, and it never took off. I think they might have made a season, but I'm not sure. And what made it so big was that Alex Rocco was in it, and... Um, he played this agent. It, it, the, the, the thing was, was that, and it's kind of a legendary story that um, John Cryer played this, this Teddy Z or whatever his name was, and he was working in the mailroom at a talent agency, like the biggest talent agency in L.A., and then got promoted to being an actual talent agency by some fluke. And the guy who he was like kind of level with was Alex Rocco, and Alex Rocco hated him because he was like, how did he become this so fast? Who's he blowing or whatever? And Alex Rocco was supposed to be playing a typical agent. So at, um, and I'm, I'm looking for the clip while I'm talking too, so I'm getting confused. But while, um, oh, here it is. People would, I, I remember this, you know, when I was growing up, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, people, the, the hottest, you know, like, in the studio audience we always play like the stupid laugh tracks that uh, laugh track but when there's a live studio audience you know in LA they shoot live studio sitcoms all the time and you can go to a taping or whatever and you sit there and it's kind of horrible because you have to last like you know four hours or something but there was a this was a hot ticket to watch tape the famous Teddy Z even though you've never heard of it it was a huge ticket in Hollywood on Friday nights all the agents would go to see this show and watch Alex Rocco perform this character, and they loved it. And and I remember reading about it, you know, in the paper when I was a kid, and they said that was the biggest ticket on Friday nights. This stupid sitcom that people would go to see. And he was just—I only found the uh, the promo on CBS, but you can hear him doing a little bit of it. Get ready for CBS. Get ready to meet showbiz giant Ted Zakalakis. Yeah, you can hear me. He's like, what have I been doing? Because apparently that's what happened. Teddy apparently punched one of his clients. He was out of control and then he got famous and you know, it was caught on camera and then he became, you know, a big talent agent. And he's like, I've been doing it all wrong. I've been taking clients to lunch. What am I doing? You know, and he was, and he was always screaming in every episode. It was really just like Mo Green. He's like, I've been banging cheer, you know, I've been doing cheer. Well, you were banging cheerleaders. I've been doing business. So clearly just anybody that watched The Godfather said, we got to get this guy. He's hilarious. And um, he really was funny. And I, and um, classic, uh, you know, before there was YouTube, before there was anything, Comedy Central used to have this uh, think tank and they would bring comedians in and pretty much steal any of their ideas. Well, they'd ask them if you had ideas for promos or shows and you'd work there for a week and you'd make $1,000. It was a pretty good deal. And I did it several times and I would always be with uh, different people. And one time I was with my good friend, Danny Vermont, and we just watched, uh, They, I think they got the rights to Teddy Z. So we just asked them to bring us tapes of the famous Teddy Z because we'd never seen it before and they had just gotten the rights to it or something. And... 
we just ended up watching like a bunch of them. And one of them was amazing. And I remember when it came out, I just had never seen it before. There's a, a real story that you could probably look up online where uh, a, a, was it a, no, it was a writer who gave his agent, he was so fed up with the way things happen in Hollywood that he gave his agent a, a screenplay um, because he said, he, he said an agent wouldn't know, I think he wrote a book about it, but he said an agent wouldn't know a, gr a great screenplay if it was in his lap, you know, if he, he wouldn't know. Agents are stupid and they're not going to know anything. So this real life story, this guy rewrote Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and he just changed the names and whatever he called it, you know, state of Washington or whatever, he just changed the names and Mr. Smith became Mr. Johnson and he just changed the names and he made the script and as he expected, his agent thought it was stupid and nobody would care. And then he wrote a book about it and, you know, that agent looks like an idiot. So they did this episode based on this true story about this guy and you know Teddy had found this guy um, this agent who was doing this on purpose and he gave it to Teddy Z and Teddy thought it was the greatest thing he'd ever read and he's like boy this is important this is important you know he was that, that guy he's like and you know the critics like oh have you shown it to the other guy and the other guy is Alex Rocco and Alex Rocco says um, he you know thinks there should be a car chase through the Rose Garden of the White House and uh, he says all this stuff that makes him look just ridiculously foolish and then the guy comes out that it's a fraud and he's changed the names and it's Mr. Smith goes to Washington and Alex Rocco is like crushed and then Teddy goes into his office and all the shades are pulled down he's completely embarrassed and it's really funny and he's really good in it R.I.P. Alex Rocco uh, yeah, I'd love to get a hold of that episode. He was so funny in it. He's when he's like, um, and Mr. whatever his name is of the show thinks there should be a car chase through the Rose Garden. Yeah, it was a great episode and really interesting. And like I said, based on a true story. So, I mean, that never happens in sitcoms where, you know, that's something interesting where they base one episode on a completely true story. And that's a stupid sitcom. But like I said, it was, you know, they really were trying to give it a chance and even though it was about Hollywood and stuff like that. It was kind of interesting, and it was before they made, you know, movies about agents like that and, you know, like uh, Tropic Thunder and things like that. So it was kind of ahead of its time. And that's when John Cryer was uh, likable and cute before, you know, before him and me just started getting fat and old. Uh, so, Alex Rocco, Mo Green, Mo Green, he was great. Well, um, geez, I don't even know what we did today. I had a whole bunch of stories and, you know, news I wanted to talk about, but... Oh, um, nah, nah, nah. I was, <laughs> was going to play our... You know, the, the problem with, uh, just really quickly, the problem, of course, I have with Finding Neverland is that the only Peter Pan episode I like is, of course, this one. I'm flying. You know, with John Candy playing Divine as Peter Pan. That's all I can think about. Yes, it's Divine, starring as the boy who wouldn't. You know, and uh, Martin Short as uh, Captain Hook, but playing David Steinberg as Captain Hook. Pirates, headed by the villainous Captain Hook, as portrayed by film director David Steinberg. Tie them to the mast and show them no mercy. <laughs> but John. Martin Short. You'll be sorry, Captain Hook. Peter Pan will save us. Ooh, Peter Pan, Peter Pan. I'm tired of hearing about Peter Pan. Not only do I resent his ability to fly, but to me, John, I find his mirthful... Oh, that's my favorite part. But to me, John... I mean, I just say that to my niece on a daily basis. She, It makes me so happy that she gets the gag and how funny it is that Martin Short is so funny that he picks out you know I've just talked about this in the show it's, it's so funny because he picks out John nobody ever talks about John Wendy Michael and John nobody ever 
you know, addresses Peter Pan. Captain Hook never addressed John. That's what makes it so funny. He's just so in characters. But to me, John, I feel Peter Pan is not worthy. I mean, that just makes me laugh. So when we were in Disney World, we were on the Peter Pan ride, of course. I just go, but to me, John, and it always makes her laugh. And it makes me laugh, too. And then we were on this new, like, Snow White roller coaster. And I'm not a roller coaster guy, so I was really nervous. So to make me feel better, I just kept saying, but John, and that made me be able to handle the ride. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why, and it's just a stupid thing, but, you know, and like I said, you meet your idols, and you start to cry like a baby. You look like an idiot. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Anyway, I guess that's um, pretty much today's show. I mean, that, that went so fast for me, and it was so crazy and weird, and I didn't expect that's the way it was going to be, but, but that's the way it is. That's this week's show. Next week, definitely going to get a guest. I got those new headphones. Remember I said I was waiting for headphones. I bought some new headphones. I have no idea if they're going to work. Hopefully they will. I'm just going to buy some new stuff. Well, next week, we'll have a guest. We'll talk about, you know, we'll do a regular show, not so show tuny and stuff. I hope you guys are okay with it. I still think it's entertaining and fun, and I let a lot of clips play out today because I didn't have a guest, so I don't care. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. Next week, it'll be the end of July. I feel like I have something going on, but I guess not. I don't know. Anyway, have a great week. And we'll see you next week on the Dave Jones Scott Podcast. Yeah.